Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys, and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about content creation, outsourcing, onboarding, how you can find the right content creators, because it's a big issue. I often meet uh, and face something like this because many of my customers tell me, you know, it's hard. It's hard to find responsible writers, uh, content creators who can create content that will provide results. And many uh, entrepreneurs, they have no time with creating content. They need to develop in a way their products. It's hard for them to share time with creating content. That's why it's better to cooperate with the best. And I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Ramli John. How are you? Pretty good about myself, Anatoly. I'm super excited to be here. I'm doing great. Monday, you know, positive mindset. So <laughs> I'm looking for a new week. And uh, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about onboarding in content creation. Yeah, I mean, I'm currently the content director at AppQs. Uh, you know, prior to that, I was at product-led where I really was focused on helping product-led companies improve their activation and onboarding. Uh, you mentioned it earlier, it's a huge problem that a lot of SaaS companies have, uh, not just SaaS companies, any kind of uh, software companies, because it's really the foundation for a long-term relationship. I ended up writing a book called Product-Led Onboarding that became a best-selling book on Amazon. And I wrote that with Wes Bush, who is the CEO of Product-Led and author of Product-Led Growth. Uh, so I've been in SaaS marketing for 10, 15 years and realized that onboarding is a big issue and content actually make, uh, has a huge part to play in terms of improving that. So that's just a little bit about me and my interest on this. Nice, nice. Love it. Uh, you know, I have a passion to read books. I, I love reading books. I share some time by reading books. Can you give a solid reason to read this yellow book? Because I see this book on your background. I know about this book. It's very valuable. And uh, tell a uh, solid reason for my audience. Because, you know, many books are great for uh, if you have the problem with sleeping, you know, so you can read before sleeping, you can sleep all night well so tell uh, what kind of benefits people can get by reading your book why it's uh, best selling and how it can simplify lives in i don't know like to provide some valuable insights to go ahead yeah i mean the main audience for this uh you know for people who are actually working and trying to improve their onboarding trying like they have maybe an activation or free to paid conversion problem it's very low Maybe their retention rates are low, and this is a problem that a lot of software companies have. They would find this book valuable. This is based on uh, years of experience working with West Bush and companies like Mixpanel, uh, uh, other companies that you know are you know, even Microsoft and other companies that we've worked with uh, that have developed the six-step framework, uh, the step step-by-step framework that would help people improve their onboarding experiences. I mean, just, you know, don't take my word for it. Uh, Sean Ellis, he's the founder of growthhackers.com. He left a quote on it. It's on the cover of the book. He said that this is a must-read book for anybody who wants to improve their onboarding experience. And that means a lot coming from from the guy who coined the term growth hackers. So definitely, I want to check it out. It's $5 or $10 or something like that on Amazon. So it's not meant to be expensive. And there is actually workbooks that is uh, and templates that is included in the book with uh, with links there. So Go check it out for people who are tuning in. 
Nice. Looking forward to read this book because, you know, uh, I have a huge list of books that I must read. But of course, I, I put uh, your book on my list because, yeah, I, I want to know, know more about onboarding and content creation because, you know, um, uh, let me share my story. Ten years ago, I had a team of copywriters. They wrote about anything. Today, I don't have this team because I got it. Uh, each client is different, even in one niche, one direction. Uh, it's better to find specialists, experts who uh, pay attention to one specific direction, particular direction, and then they can create uh, something new, unique, valuable. Uh, but many copywriters still rewrite existing content. They don't provide valuable insights, something new. They just uh, replicate others. And uh, Google can understand that you can game, for example, uh, tools to share, okay, 100% uniqueness, but you can game Google, you can game uh, people who read this content because it's like uh, to read uh, the same, uh, I don't know, like the book with the same plot uh, or uh, even movie. You know, many people tell, you know, uh, nothing special. I, I watch the same plot, you know. So tell uh, how to find responsible writers who can provide something new and unique. Yeah, I think that's a huge challenge for any type of content team. Uh, it is definitely a challenge uh, to to do that, to have a, a fresh perspective. I think there's a few ways that we're doing that at AppQs. One of them is trying to onboard new writers slowly. So especially for uh, writers who are not familiar with our space, which is around product adoption or user onboard, anything like that. I think what I have to do is actually when I create a brief, have to have more of a guide, uh, direct guidance, uh, being more verbose about here's a framework that I've been thinking about and, and framing it as here are some, you know, even here are some people you can talk about, talk, talk to, to get quotes from. Here are some experts. So it's a little bit more guided and directed uh, for those kind of writers who are not familiar with that space. I think that really helps when there's somebody in the background who has ex expertise creating those briefs. I think starting off with a really strong brief can really make content stand out from other things. But as the writer, as you know, we work with writers who are more and more familiar with our space. We can, I can provide, we can provide less guidance on on those briefs and really like just let them go. Like you know, here are some people to talk to, but you have guidance on you know some certain topics or you're fleshing out the details. So I think those two things are are, are are super important. I find that for most teams, uh, going with the first route where you have very clear guidance in the briefs would really, really be helpful in terms of leveling up the, the skills. And not just like, here's H1 tag, here's an H2 tag, but really be to think about like, here are some certain bullet points within this that can really make this stand out. Here are some people you should quote, here are some stats that you should check out, and here are some places that you should, you should get this information from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, valuable, valuable. Okay, let's talk about the length of content. You know, I, I see a lot of uh, briefs uh, that tell, okay, uh, please write like, uh 2000 words because i want to rank on google but it's not always the case I, I remember when one content creator shared with me an article about uh, the age of elon musk 3000 words i don't know you know if you type on google <laughs> you can get the answer uh, people are not interested to learn his achievements uh, rewards uh, anything they wanna know his age can you tell about the actual length because google uh doesn't count uh the word count. So uh, what do you think? How to find uh, this length? 
Yeah, you you came up with a really interesting concept uh, with you know Elon Musk's age. I probably wouldn't create like long long content for that <laughs> for that particular reason. There is this uh, amazing uh, content person, uh, VP Marketing at SparkTor, Amanda Natividad. She coined the term uh, zero click content, and I think that's yeah. you know that's okay there in that sense where you know you want to show up first and you want to be referred to by Google in terms of like Elon Musk's age. What I want, what I, <laughs> what I, what I really care about in terms of length is is value. I think oftentimes what I see is that there's an article that's three thousand, three thousand five hundred, maybe four thousand words that they're trying to fit this very skeleton-based content into, and it's just full of fluff, and that is a huge, yeah. huge challenge. If you're going to provide two thousand five hundred words and you have very, very minimal value that you're giving to to, to the readers. You're not just you're not just gonna annoy readers. You're gonna annoy Google. I think Google's been updating their their algorithm with the helpful content update. They're really starting to care about that. You're not just the lengthwise, but you're actually people are sticking around. They're reading through the content. They're consuming it. They're they're going through it. They they have some fi- those stuff figured out. So what I really care more about is value per words. <laughs> you know, value mm-hmm. per length. And if you give me two thousand, if you give me a thousand word content, and it has like. 10 amazing actionable things that I want to apply right now to my onboarding or to my to my content or to my business that's more valuable that's more important uh, for for folks to consume through than a long piece of content a sky, a skyscraper scraper content uh, that is the old approach and it not not provide a ton of value there so that's how that's how I would I think about it depends on the topic and also the the how much value you want to provide to to the folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Okay, I found one interesting thing that book offers uh, are great by sharing stories. You know, uh, they uh, know how to craft the story because um, today it's hard to retain audience to consume the whole content. I remember uh, when Joe Sugarman uh, forty years ago wrote a book how to um, retain. Uh, audience, uh, readers, uh, to consume the whole content. Uh, and uh, he uh, shared many great examples uh, when people can't stop reading because it's interested, it's excitement. And uh, you wrote a book. Can you tell your methods how to retain audience? Because uh, even today, uh, most content are ignored. If people open, bounce uh, for a few seconds, it's the same with video content. It's the same with book uh, big books because only Five percent of books are uh, read. From your experience, how to retain audience? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think there's this concept that Wes Cow, uh, she's the founder of uh, of Maven. Uh, she, she's an educator uh, by saying she worked with Seth Godin to create their Alt MBA program, and she she really talked about how you want to change up your delivery uh, when you're doing a workshop. So one moment you're presenting a concept, you don't want to be presenting for 20 minutes because you're going to bore people out. What you want to do is change it up. Like within five minutes, ask a question, have a discussion, then go back to teaching. Then after five minutes, do an activity. Then after another five minutes, do uh, 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 watch a video. And I feel like it's the same thing, same format that can be applied to whether it's a book, whether it's uh, you know whether it's a video, is the idea of changing things up once in a while. So what I mean by that is stories are great, but imagine if it's a business book 
and it's one long story after another, and there's no data or there's no change up with 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 things like that. I think it can become monotonous, and it becomes more of like reading Harry Potter <laughs> rather than actually reading <laughs> a business book. So that's yeah. how I think about it. It's like, am I telling this story too long that I need to change it up and show data or show uh, an image or show uh, something else? And that really depends on audience to audience because how long, you know, they can, like, a, let's say if you're targeting software developers uh, as, as your audience, it's totally different, their attention span on average versus something like marketers where I would assume that most marketers' attention span is slightly smaller <laughs> than people who want to <laughs> consume data in longer. Also, the medium, like most certain people like videos over certain audience like videos over another. And that's something that you need to consider as well in, in terms of the delivery. So that's how I would think, think about it as like changing it up, you know, figuring out if you're sticking too long in one type of delivery or one type of structure rather than changing it up once in a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you remind me, uh, Jack London, you know, when uh, I read his books, uh, he wrote them 100 years ago, and you know, he he can steal my mind, because uh, at that point, I can't stop, I, I, I can read, and then, you know, like four hours, uh, eight hours, without eating, without anything, because he can steal attention, uh, and you know, uh, I live in his stories, you know, uh, I can feel them uh, on my skin. So yeah, great approach. Can you tell how to improve writing skills today? For example, uh, if someone wanna jump on this field, wanna create awesome uh, quality text that uh, retain audience. And for example, I found uh, some uh, experts are great by sharing knowledge, but they're not great uh, to retain audience. Uh, okay, if you provide the most valuable insights, but it's not interesting to read, nobody cares about that. Can you tell about improving writing skills? Yeah, in terms of improving writing skills, I think the best way to improve writing skills is just start writing and getting feedback. I yeah. think that's super, super important with, with anything. Uh, you know, there's one thing that I'm trying to improve on myself is getting feedback from people who are better writers than me. Uh, and whether that's like being part of a writing group or, you know, having friends that want to just review it. Having great editors are super important as well. They're, they're uh, great editors uh, are kind enough not to break your spirit down so you quit writing. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, encourage you and to, to think about like your, your, the way that, you're, uh, that I'm writing or sharing this. For example, the book that I wrote, um, it, the, my first draft was terrible. It was, it was like, oh, <laughs> this... And then I have an editor who who is now the head of content at Product Led, uh, Laura Klutz, uh, and she just went through it. And I remember getting back the Google Doc for the first time, and it was all red. I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm such a bad writer. But she was like, no, this is our all just suggestions to pull out the story a little bit better and use sent shorter words and use you know, like things like that, that, that could be really, really important uh, in, in terms of that. So that's something that I've been really thinking about is like, you know, whether that's, uh, you know, I'm asking my writer friends if they have any books that they would suggest to me. So I'll get back to you <laughs> if they suggest a book to me. Uh, I know there's, uh, especially it, uh, people should follow certain uh, people who actually are great at copywriting. Like one of them is Eddie Schleiner on LinkedIn. He's the founder of Very Good Copy. Like he, he knows he knows his stuff around that as well. I mentioned Amanda Natividad earlier. She also mm -hmm. came from a writing background, 
So she was a journalist uh, and then became a chef, uh, and now she's in marketing. So I think those, you know, following people who are actually uh, really good. Another person that I can think of is Brooklyn Nash. Uh, you know, those mm -hmm. are uh, from, from Beam. So uh, several folks that I, I follow that help me become a better writer. Yeah, great tips. Uh, and uh, you talked about Seth Godin. Uh, once I read his uh, review that he uh, not reviewed, it's like, oh, that he stopped reading reviews on Amazon of his books uh, since 2011. Same. Yeah, <laughs> because uh, he can't satisfy anyone. He can't satisfy many people, uh, but uh, he has own audience. And uh, uh, as you mentioned, it's better to listen to someone who is better than you <laughs> because <laughs> these people know uh, how it works. Uh, they have experience, practice, and it's the same. Uh, you mentioned that your first draft uh, was terrible. You know, all my content uh, is terrible <laughs> when I start. And, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, that, you know, it's true. Uh, I, I remember, you know, uh, I found one study that uh, most content creators don't uh, record the second podcast because they can't re get results from the first one. They don't uh, write the second article because they can't get results from the first one. It's terrible. You know, guys, I don't know how to get results from the first, second, and many others. You know, it takes time to improve, uh, I don't know, like quality, uh, experience, confidence, many other stuff. So, you, uh, for example, PewDiePie filmed 100 videos to get first 285 sure. subscribers. Then he got uh, 110 million subscribers. Mr. Beast filmed videos over Beast, an year yeah. and a half. Same. Yeah, to get only 1,000 subscribers. Then he got 110 million, a lot. Yeah, so... It takes time, yeah, and totally it's agree. perseverance, confidence. Yeah, and there's also this person that I uh, followed on t on Twitter, and he he has thirty thousand people on his newsletter now, and he was mm -hmm. like, "Here's my secret. I wrote every week for five years." <laughs> I was like, "That is a <laughs> yeah. secret, man!" And like like people talking about like you know getting a bunch of you know, newsletter is is or what's hot like it's you know people are talking about substack and paid newsletter with lenny and other folks and they're getting on the bandwagon and they realize man it, it it's about consistently doing it every day i'm a big fan of mr beast i watch all of his videos and i love this uh thing with colin and samir where they interviewed him uh, on youtube and mm -hmm. you're right like every single week this guy posted uh and his early videos were terrible <laughs> he even admits it like his early mr beast videos were like and he looks like he's uh, locked away in a cave as a prisoner. But, you know, like now he, he's this big shot. He's copying like uh, uh, big, big games, uh, giving away millions of dollars. And Squid, mm -hmm. he, he did, he, he recreated Squid Games, like all that stuff. I think that's part of uh, being a creative and a content and a marketer is, you're right, patience is the key. It's, it's the, uh, the secret sauce to most things. Yeah, patience, perseverance, consistency, mm. you know, my, many other stuff. So, yeah, I can go hot. Okay, I have the question about onboarding. Uh, for example, can you share practical tips how to find uh, great writers? You know, uh, for example, if you have no experience with that, if you, it's not about experience. It's more about uh, you, you have other priorities to develop innovative products and you want to outsource someone. How to find them? Because, uh, for example, okay, we can go to Upwork. Fiverr, many other places, but I found even people with great reviews, uh, five stars, you know, they can't produce quality content. In mm. most cases, they just rewrite, tell how to find them. 
Yeah, I I would say that you're right. Looking at reviews, uh, you know, there there could be some fake reviews, just like Amazon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the best way the best way to test something out on Amazon is buy it, and then if you don't like it, return it. Uh, it's not necessarily the same case for for Amazon uh, for finding writers. But what I would do would be to do a test project, a paid test project, mm-hmm. where you you give them a short brief, something that's not too you know too in depth, uh, nothing too crazy. And then pay them for the time for that first test project, and then uh, you know, like, and then review the result. And often, if if that they're, what they produce, uh, you have to rewrite and re-edit all over again. <laughs> That's costing yeah. you more of a time. You you when you're outsourcing, what you're hopefully trying to do is offload some work. Not to unload more work like editing and and uh, and mm-hmm. uh, and like rewriting stuff. So that's that's been very very helpful. It's something that our team at AppKeys has been doing. There's for us. There's three content uh, a content team of three right now, and we've been on- onboarding uh, um, other writers, and that's how we've been approaching it. Originally, we provided and asked them to write a thousand words, but that takes a while. <laughs> So we're asking them now to create like you know um, a shorter b- brief and to craft it for us to see. And based on that, we can see how they write and how the structure is and how long they take. And uh, based on that, you know we can provide feedback in terms of finding those those writers. Um, it's own it's been through word of mouth a lot. Yeah, <laughs> uh, like finding them on social, uh, asking people if they know anybody else uh, through that. So that's that's been uh, how we've been finding it at AppViews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love it, love it. Uh, by the way, uh, for example, I I love to cooperate with uh, writers with proven record. For example, if they posted content that provides engagement, uh, SEO traffic, uh, shares on social media, it's better to cooperate with them. It's better to pay more money to them because uh, you can save uh time you can save uh money by getting the results with this content so for me it's better to pay three times ten times more to to them but uh, you can get much higher results and less but quality is key why you need to create 10 pieces of mediocre content it's better to create one piece of the best content yeah with these writers you can do it uh i uh, i have the question about common mistakes from your experience can you uh, list mistakes that uh, webmasters still do. Webmasters are like uh, people who manage the content on a site. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, who who are trying to uh, to find writers and uh, manage them? Yeah, yeah. I would say that that was the first thing uh, that we, sh- uh, you know, sh- trying to onboard writers. One of the one of the things that we're trying to improve right now is. When you when you're onboarding writers to your your uh, ecosystem to your to your company, mm-hmm. I think it's important to think of it almost like you're onboarding a team member as well. So like one of the mistakes that we made uh, is just like okay, here's a brief, start writing. But you know we didn't provide like here is our brand voice, here are our uh, you know our logos, here are here is the way that we write. We we you know, our titles are sentence cap, not all cap, like things like that. Having an onboarding packet can really speed up uh, um, onboarding freelance writers to, to your team. That's one thing that I, I see often is just you can't just expect to slap on a freelancer to to a team and expect like to for them to produce 
great results right away. Uh, you want to be able to guide them a little bit and give them some some direction uh, with that. So I think that's a big mistake that I see often, and I've seen it previously as well at the other companies that I worked at. Is making sure that you have you're onboarding your your freelance writer as uh, as you you would with a with an onboarding packet. Uh, so that's one mm-hmm. thing that I would say about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, you mentioned about editing uh, before. Uh, can you tell uh, how it's important to edit content? Because people, uh, masters often ignore editing. They write, uh, create this piece. But, you know, editors can uh, see content in the other angle, you know, with other view. Uh, tell more about importance of editing. Yeah, I would say the importance of editing is it's, you me- we mentioned it earlier, like your first draft will not be... Uh, will not be perfect <laughs> will not yeah. be the best of something and i feel like that's why editing is super important it's it's like you're getting um you know your feedback from from folks who you know giving them and showing them uh your your writing and letting them uh go through it and see if there's better ways to to write something, to communicate something, com- to communicate a story, to communicate data, to communicate uh, an idea through through this, and I think that's the most important part of of, of editing and going through uh, you know at least once or twice uh, of a cycle through through that. Just because I think there's you know there's always a better way to improve. It's always about continually improving. That's that's my approach. You know we have. Um, and it's not just, and it's not you know, one misconception I had before about editing. It's like, oh, editing is just looking through your grammar and spelling mistakes and mm-hmm. looking through, you know, like, oh, here's a typo here. Or oh, you should have said, use all. That's, that's not the purpose of editing. The purpose of editing really is how can I communicate this idea better, going back to what I said earlier, so that people can get the most value as much as possible for uh, from what they're reading through it and going through that cycle of editing is all about that more value for uh you know for the same amount of words essentially yeah you remind me my editor uh once i shared uh a text interesting text with editor and uh, i found a hundred mistakes uh on grammarly on this text after the editor uh I got like 150 uh, mistakes, you know, and I ask, I ask him what's going on, uh, why we got more mistakes, and he uh, he wrote an article, interesting article for my course about uh, editing. Uh, it's not about Grammarly; it's more about uh, using the right voice. About because tools can provide all insights. Editors can see uh, and can fix it. And by the way, he uses Grammarly as well, but. He uh, uses his own experience more, you know, to edit content, to simplify, to uh, improve readability and many other stuff. So, yeah, uh, Grammarly are great, but don't rely a lot on tools. Yeah, find another way. Yeah. I yeah. find another thing that is helpful with like editing is you can edit your own work, but you have to forget what you wrote. This is something that I've been doing. What I mean by that. I actually learned this from I think Stu Stu Fortier. He 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 started like a foster uh, for writers, and he said that what he does is like you write something today, then wait two days because by hopefully by two days you've done a lot of stuff, you've thought about other things, and you read through your own stuff and like 
this is not good. <laughs> I'm like saying that about my own writing with the newsletter that that I put out, like where you know I can't necessarily afford it, afford an editor for my own personal newsletter, but I you know I write it, uh, in reviewing it through it, then the next day with fresh eyes uh, is helpful. The other thing I heard from uh, a guy named Mark Thomas, uh, he's the head of growth right now at um, at Powered by Search, is he reads his content backwards. So what he does is he 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 goes from the very last sentence and he reads it going up so that he's he's not like uh you know like he has this preconceived notion of what it should be versus now I'm like trying to can I write the sentence better can I write this paragraph better so you're like looking at it not from the lens of uh the the full thing but but from paragraph to paragraph or section by section so uh, those are some helpful tips that I've been trying to apply to my own writing uh, in terms of editing. Nice, nice. Uh, you mentioned about inner voice. Uh, or, uh, for example, uh, I, I usually call uh, to be yourself. Because, you know, uh, for example, I see on uh, TikTok, oh, uh, even on YouTube, it doesn't matter, uh, many content creators uh, try to copy others. For example, if they can sing or dance, but they're trying to create the same stuff uh, without having passion, skills, anything. And uh, of, uh, But on TikTok, you can win audience even uh, to be yourself, to create content uh, in your strong side. And you mentioned this word. Uh, can you uh, tell uh, about uh, how to find your own style and uh, not to copy your competitors, but considering your strong side? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I think that, I forgot who said it, where you want to uh, imitate in the beginning, and then you want to, after you imitate, yeah. that's when you start creating your own voice. Um, I, you know, I would sometimes look at, I, you mentioned Seth Godin, like just the way he writes, come on, <laughs> he's been writing every <laughs> single day for the last seven, eight, I forget, eight years on his, on his blog and newsletter. And I think just the way he uses shorter sentences uh, and try to be more, uh, come across as a friend is how I really, really, are, you know, are, am impressed by that and look up to that. So that's what I try to do. I think reading a lot and and looking at it and trying to recreate their voice. Uh, once you have read enough, like you've, you create your own like mixture or recipe or a remix. That's a good way to put mm-hmm. it. A remix of the way that you've been consuming others. Uh, and you know, the more that you look, read how you want to sound like from other people, uh, the more that you are able to create your own, own voice. And I think it's it goes back to like writing uh, more often, like writing every day, uh, writing a, a, like once or twice, or maybe even four times a week. I think it's super important so that you you can craft your own voice and through that um, build it out. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, you can start copy others, but then uh, if you do consistently for some time, you can feel your own voice, uh, where you are passionate. Because, you know, if you just uh, keep uh, replicating others, you can burn out because it's not you. Uh, it doesn't make you happy. <laughs> uh, okay, I have the question about AI tools. Can you tell? Uh, do we need to use them today from your experience or not? Because uh, AI tools uh, can't compete with great writers, but they can, today I think uh, they can overcome mediocre writers you now who just rewrite content. What do you think about AI tools? Yeah, I I mean, there's this hype right now. Uh, it's funny you mentioned this. There's this hype right now from Nathan 
Basha. I'm like looking mm-hmm. for the tweet that he. Oh, okay, Lex new. So he's like, oh, this is a great tool, and actually, a lot of my writing, like Amanda and Tipidad said, it was great. Um, it was like, okay, this is interesting, but. You know the way I'm gonna check that out. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> uh, for people who are tuning in, it's like, oh, okay, this is this is not a plug. This is more of me. Like this just came up last night, so this is something that I want to check out. Lex L E X dot new is something that mm-hmm. this guy. He's a writer, uh, journalist, and now he he has a newsletter that has like hundred thousand subscribers or something like that. Nice. But w- the way that I look at AI is it's just it's a tool. And the you know just like any tool, garbage in, uh, you get garbage out. <laughs> if your input, <laughs> if your input to uh, tool is not great, like you will get uh, not great content. I think mm-hmm. people, uh, you know, like that's where people say, oh, content writers, they'll be out of their job. Uh, you know, like they'll lose their job. AI will take over. I don't. I don't really don't think so. I can't imagine uh, AI creating frameworks and gathering data and yeah. like connecting the dots. There was just something that you need like a really advanced mind, you know, person in that speci- specific niche to be able to connect the dots together. Uh, whether that's in you know in in our in my field is in product adoption. Like I can't imagine AI being able to connect all the dots together to create something new like a framework or things like that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that could happen in a future world. But <laughs> yeah, at this moment, see. AI is just a tool. And like I said, like you need to have good good uh, input to it for you to produce something great. And I can imagine it. Yeah, I do imagine it helping speed up the whole process. But it doesn't, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm guessing also that it'll, it can learn your voice at some point so that it starts writing like similar to your <laughs> own writing voice but yeah i think it's, it's super important to train train that ai so so i think that's how i, I view ai for for content writers right now yeah nice nice yeah um a hundred percent it can increase the speed of creating content even if you rewrite from scratch but you can get ideas from ai text uh, generation content so yeah and can go ahead okay i have the question let's imagine you started from scratch Without any experience, knowledge, skills, what will you do to learn more today about content creation? So the question is, what would you people do more to learn about content creation? Yeah, the... if you need to start from scratch, completely exactly. from scratch, you didn't write a book, you didn't have any experience, what will you do? I would say that, you know, the beautiful thing about content creation is there's now so many things out there, so many tools to just get started. I think it's, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, there's the word creation part. Just start creating, <laughs> start writing, mm-hmm. uh, so you put out, you know, a newsletter and, you know, get on, get, follow people that you admire on Twitter, on, uh, on their newsletter, uh, you know, get on Substack and, and there's so many writers on Substack right now who are writing some amazing pieces and they're not giving everything for free. There are some people, but they are giving some free content away uh, that is really important uh, and really helpful. For me personally, I'm inspired by, you know, Lenny's newsletter, Lenny Rachitsky, you know, in the product space. Amanda Natividad, I'm really, uh, you know, admire her. Uh, I admire Eddie Schleiner. So those are the people I look up to. And then for people who are tuning in, find the people that you admire and start connecting with them. I think that's a beautiful thing about Twitter is that mm-hmm. somebody, some, you know, I, I sent a Twitter, I sent a tweet to Lenny 
Lenny Rachiski again or Lenny San on Twitter, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Oh, uh, you know, I have two hundred fifty thousand newsletter subscribers now. What should I do next?" And I replied back, "Oh, you should do YouTube." <laughs> and, he, uh-huh. and he was like, "No, I." And then he replied back to me, he's like, "No, thanks. It's not my energy." So like, yeah. that's the cool thing about uh, on the social platform like LinkedIn or, or or Twitter is that you can have conversations with these people that you admire, and you don't need mm-hmm. the permission to do it because they're putting out stuff there. So I think that's mm-hmm. like something to for people to consider is like. Just uh, find people admire, read their content, and start conversations with them. And maybe one day, like you're, you'll you'll get jump on a call with them because they admire yeah. you now. Uh, would be when it comes to full circle. Uh, even more, you can create podcast episodes with them. Just start that's your true. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to suggest that too. That's, uh, that's actually really smart. I have an, I have I used to have a, a podcast of my own that. I needed to uh, put on hiatus because I, I I got a new job and I had I got a new baby. But I, you're right; like it's such a great way to connect with with influencers who mm-hmm. are busy just because they want to talk about themselves and their work and their content. So yeah. you're right. <laughs> yeah, love it. Okay, I have the final question about the future. Uh, can you forecast the future in content creation? Uh, what kind of future will be? Because Many things are coming, metaverse, I don't know, augmented reality, virtual reality, uh, Web3.0. What do you think? Uh, where we need to pay attention today to adapt to the future uh, technologies? Yeah. Uh, I would say the future, I think there's going to be, you know, I was just reading a stat. I've been thinking about writing this thread around, you know, like how do you get your content to stand out? And I read that that there are 7.5 million blog posts that are published every single day. Uh, yeah. That is that is uh, you know that is crawled by by Google. And I imagine that that's going to increase more. Like imagine 10, 20 million blog posts a day times 365 days. That's like billions of content in a year. And the question that I've been thinking a lot about is how do you get your content to stand out? And you know there are several ways to do it like you know like whether that's gathering data or or you know there's images or people are thinking talking about tiktok <laughs> or mm-hmm. metaverse all those stuff are are distribution channels uh for your content like repurposing them but i think that's going to be something that's critical as we move to the future is whether it's a channel whether it's the expertise or whether it's the new way that you're uh, you, you're communicating an idea. The challenge we're going to have in the future is we're going to have to cut through the noise even more so uh, as we go forward. And I don't have the clear answer to that necessarily. I think standing out and as an expert in the space has been really helpful because the people already trust you and they respect you. I think that's one thing. Uh, but like, can AI help you write better? Probably. Uh, is the metaverse a great way to start distributing content? Maybe. I haven't taken a look at that. But still, something people need to consider. You need we need you need to start thinking about standing out and, and cutting through the noise to reach your audience. Yeah, love it. So valuable. Uh it's a big pleasure to get on my show. Tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Yeah, for sure. I mean people can follow me on Twitter, Ramley John, on LinkedIn at Ramley John. I also have a uh, a newsletter that I just started uh, <laughs> called Marketing Power Up. It's on, on Substack. So it's marketingpowerup.substack.com. 
or people can find it on on my Twitter profile. I, I have it uh, posted up in all Twitter and LinkedIn profile. It's up there, pinned on my post. So love to mm-hmm. to hear from everybody by email or by Twitter or LinkedIn. Yeah, nice, nice. By the way, you can uh, set up a newsletter on LinkedIn because you know, for example, I, I ah, you did it. Yeah, okay. yeah, I have one there. Okay, got it, got it. <laughs> okay, guys, uh, you need to follow Ramle on LinkedIn, on Twitter, everywhere. Learn from him. You can see a lot of valuable insights. Read his book because you can get a Thank lot you. more value. And, guys, thanks for listening and watching us. You can find all these links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, and see you next time. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.